What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 65 of Lamb Parties from the Las Vegas Review Journal. I am your host, Lucas Agan. Joining me, as always, is Ryan Smith. Ryan, how was your weekend, my friend? It, it was good. I, I think I'm officially addicted to uh, Outriders. I've been playing a ton of that. We're going to get into that here in a little bit. Um, they've, they've gone in, made some pretty major patches and, and gave us an explanation as far as with the server issues that we've been encountering and whatnot. But other than that, though, we started the DLCs for Little Nightmares. We beat, we beat the base yes. game, uh, here about a week, a uh, week or so ago. Absolutely loved it. So we're excited to get into that and then we'll move on to, uh, Little Nightmares too. What about yourself, my friend? How have you been? My weekend was good. I've been I've been good. I love Little Nightmares. I think you're going to love the sequel. Uh, I jumped into Pac-Man 99 and surprisingly, yeah. it didn't do as terribly as I thought I was going to do. Still not <laughs> anywhere close to winning. I think my highest was like a 20th, but it's fun. It's frantic. It's uh, it's addicting. And Nintendo, just leave this one, please. Don't take this one away. I'm still salty. I'm still salty that they took Super Mario 35 out. Just leave the darn thing up. (laughs) But that's okay. Enough about us. We are extremely excited to introduce our guests this week. Both of them are doing big things right here in Las Vegas in the esports world. Salvador Villa with Storm Rush Gaming and Teddy Wynn with the Nevada Esports Education League. Thank you both of you for joining us today. Thank you for having us here. It's uh, honestly you, a great you, opportunity. Yeah, yeah, we we are extremely excited. I know that you guys are putting on a charity stream this weekend that we're real interested in getting into. But first, we wanted to touch on a couple of topics. And we got a bit of news that I think was surprising to like the world (laughs) that apparently the last of us is getting a remake for the playstation 5 and as kind of a byproduct of that we're not getting a days gone sequel uh as what so okay no everybody knows that i love the last of us franchise that first game love it one of my favorite games of all time can anybody explain to me why we're getting a remake now? It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make the, sense. The only thing I can think of is it's probably trying to like be a cash cow because you know we have the that series uh, that HBO series that's coming out. Uh, honestly, that's the only thing I could think of. But like, it's only been a few years since the first one was made. I don't. I don't get the remake at all. Like, there's no need to make it this early on right and here's here's the thing okay so the the original game came out on the ps3 we're not talking about like a ps1 game that they're trying to modernize here the remaster came out on ps4 which is available for ps5 owners so i don't i don't get it i don't get it ryan What's going on here? I mean, again, uh, I got to say, kind of like Salvador is saying, that's the only thing that makes sense to me is them trying to cash in, especially if we're going to have that series that's going to come out. I believe it's is it later this year or next year? Um, it's, it's one, it's coming out at some point in time. And my guess is that they're going to try to cash in on the success of that and try to use that and, and get more dollars. It, it, I mean, like you guys are saying, this doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. 
Um, and, and I know that you had thrown up a poll on Twitter about this. And I think uh, uh, our friend, uh, she was actually on here, uh, sir, uh, said, you know, with the accessible or um, the I think it was the accessibility options were really clunky on that first one. And you know what I mean? It's like I can see them putting that in a patch or something like that, but you don't need to go back and remake uh, a whole game that we just got last year that just came out and what I uh, came out in like 2013. I think the original one came out. So it's like, it's not even been that long. Why are you doing this? This seems like a, a, it's just a weird move. Not only that, but then you had an IP that people were really excited about. And instead of moving forward with that, you decide, you know what, let's do this game. One more again. Just for the, you know what I mean? It's like, who, who, who I want to, who was in that office or whatever meeting they were in and say, you know what, guys, I think it's going to be a great idea. Let's remake The Last of Us again, again. Yeah. <laughs> okay, this is crazy. This is crazy. And, you know, that poll you were referencing, uh, <laughs> 6,300 votes, Almost seventy percent of people are not excited for this, which I'm I'm not surprised. Uh, one of our past guests, Roger Clark, even chimed in, saying, "Not excited, but not angry is being made either." But uh, I mean, look, I think that is the general consensus with a lot of people, and I think the worst thing to me is Naughty Dog. Everything they're touching is gold right now. Let mm-hmm. them do something different. At least let them make a new game. You know, if not an entirely new IP. I think that that this also speaks to Sony trying to stick to these huge blockbusters that they know instead of trying to venture into new territory. That is a little bit worrisome. I'd like to see risk taking in storytelling. You know, have a, a very diverse set of games, and I, I just hope—I just hope this is not a sign of things to come. Teddy, are you are you a PlayStation fan? Um, I'm just not like current PlayStation, but I am originally a PS2 player. Uh-huh. Um, and I've like watched The Last of Us, and you know, it's an amazing game. But I just think that, like, from from like my experience with PS2 and like all of those games. Like, those games are getting shafted off. Like, Ape Escape is one of my favorite series. It's what I grew up with. And I haven't seen a single thing from that entire series in over at least 10 years. Mm-hmm. And even that, it was, like, a Japan-only thing, right? And, you know, if... Honestly, if, like, uh, Sony and, like, Naughty Dog... If they could get that, like, old game... Like, those old games back on, like, remastered and modernized, like, they could make, like, more money probably than what they're going to do with remastering uh, last of us. Right. Yeah. Right. It's crazy though, that, that it's like, what is going on over, over at Sony? I mean, I, I've been, I keep making these comparisons. We've been seeing uh, Xbox and Microsoft make all kinds of moves. Um, I don't think we'll start seeing the real benefits or benefits of that till here a year or two down the road as they start getting into making exclusive content from uh, some of the companies and stuff that they've acquired. But Sony seems just, I I don't know, like what's up with all the remakes? I I feel like it's almost like in Hollywood where like people have just run out of new content to produce. So they just say, you know what, let's take this old thing that people liked and let's bring this back. And it's like, look, dude, like you've got people that are looking to make 
new IPs. Why? I, it, the move does not make any sense. It seems, again, more about profit margins as opposed to, to I guess, servicing the gaming community. And I feel like this is going to this is going to hurt them again. Uh, you know, and I, I feel like, you know, the Sony fan base, me being one of them, it, it's it's it's. I mean, it's almost it's it's just like, what are you doing? What are you guys doing? Like we didn't nobody asked for this. Nobody, nobody It's not needed right now. Why not work on some games that are are, you know, going to be new, something fresh, something that people can get excited about? It, it feels to me like a lazy move. Not only that, but then, you know, I did a little research on this as well. And I know that the developers that are working on that, you know, they were looking to do new IPs. So that's got to be crushing for them to be like, you know, get all jazzed up about it. And they say, you're going to make and remake the last of us again. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> That's gotta you know, be heartbreaking for them. So I, I don't know, man, this is, uh, it's, it's, it's weird. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Salvador. I'm interested as a gamer. Is there something that you could see from this remake that would like make you instantly go, I have to buy it. Uh, it's, no, honestly, not really. Like, I mean, yeah, the, the game, the original had its own, you know, hiccups here and there. But for the most part, the game was a really well-made game, especially one from Naughty Dog, you know, at the time, not having made an IP in a while. So this was honestly a really good, like, thing for them and that Sony actually gave them the opportunity for. Um, having played that, I, I still need to play the second one. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, for the most part, like, just having a remake for the original, I just, I don't know what would entice me to get it. And frankly, as specifically when it comes to Sony, I, I kind of question what's going on right now. I mean, they, they, there's a lot of things going on with Sony that I just don't get, like them shutting down uh, Sony Japan, the Sony Studios Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's the whole issue with the with the PS5 and the battery stuff that's going on right now. Um, among other things, they didn't take crunch. What was it? I think they either sold. No, no, they they, they, they just, just recently acquired Crunchyroll, but uh, because oh, they own Funimation, I believe it's Sound. considered like a, it's like a monopoly they consider. So I don't know, it's it's like in the gray area of like anime streaming service. Yeah. So mm-hmm. as a whole, I just I don't know where Sony's going with their direction, um, let alone specifically on their gaming side of stuff. So I I don't see anything at the moment that would entice me to buy the new Last of Us remake, but. I mean, I'll, I'll check what news they have up to offer as time goes along. Yeah, I think I think it's telling that like I should be their target audience for this, and I'm sitting there going, I don't think I'd, I, I'm definitely not going to be a day one buyer, and and might just skip it entirely. I mean, I just the first game is considered a classic for a reason, and because it holds up fairly well, it's not like this is. Uh, a game from a, a bygone era where the controls need to be like totally revamped. I, we'll see. Yeah, dude. I, I think the only way that I would even consider is if there was some sort of like major plot change, or maybe we got to see uh, the story uh, through somebody else's eyes or something like that. Again, it doesn't okay. sound like that's necessarily the direction that they're going in. So it just, it doesn't make sense to me. I I don't understand why they need to remake a game that was literally just remade a couple years ago and then ported it over from PS4 to PS5. Like, I don't get it. 
I don't get it. Um, I, I, I feel like, uh, you know, Sony is just, they're getting out of touch a little bit. Um, I feel like they're a little out of touch and I feel like right now it seems as if though, you know, their, their, their profit margins are more important, uh, than, than what they're putting out, which is really disappointing too, because, you know, again, we're in a new, we're in a new, uh, generation of consoles. It's like, give me, give me stuff to be excited about, man. Give me, give me new things. I don't, need this why are you doing this sony i don't understand it doesn't make sense but you know uh kind of like salvador was saying we just have to we'll monitor it and and see maybe there is some major changes or something that is gonna entice people to be like you know what i need this again i'm gonna go ahead and pick it up but i i don't know i just don't see it i wouldn't be surprised though to see this come out around the time that the series comes out yeah let me let me end on this thought if they make major changes to the plot i mean the last of us part two was divisive enough among the last of us fan base if they like mess and i'm gonna say mess with the plot <laughs> that <laughs> that i will not play it then i will not i thought the first they, game's plot was was perfect <laughs> let's let's i they better not go a whole kingdom hearts route because the story line just went everywhere at one point and i'm just like what what is this still series everywhere? everywhere? <laughs> it's still going everywhere, even after three. <laughs> yeah, I just I just remember thinking I wanted to get caught up with Kingdom Hearts and realizing that there's like a million games on a million different systems. I'm like, I don't even know what's essential in this series. Yeah, dude, that's how I feel. But I still haven't played that series, and at this point, it just seems overwhelming. I'm like, ah, I'm good. I'll just watch videos or something. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll see what happens. We're going to be monitoring that. Um, another thing then that we, we've been monitoring, you guys know I've been grinding hard on Outriders, and it's had quite a bit of its uh, issues as far as with this launch and everything like that. I said it, though, and here's something that I feel is commendable about this is the fact that they have been quite transparent and not in the sense of, um, hey, we're, we're having issues. We're working on fixing it. Hey, the issues are fixing this and that. They got actually rather specific and rather detailed as far as the issues that they were having um, with their servers. And ultimately what it came down to, I'm not going to bore you guys with all the technical jargon, was essentially uh, the their resources that were supposed to be managed by RAM were not being managed uh, correctly uh let me just look for exactly what they were saying. Yes, they were saying that we managed to understand. I'm going to read this. This is a direct quote. We managed to understand that many server calls were not being managed by RAM, but we were using an alternative data management method, swap disk, which is too slow for the, for the flow of this amount of data. Um, once this data queued back too far, the service failed. Understanding why it was not using RAM was our key challenge. And we worked with our staff across multiple partners to troubleshoot this. So essentially, they're saying that the data wasn't flowing correctly. It was basically got bottlenecked. And that's what was causing the uh, uh, these server issues. Um, there was also a mention of a, a cache dump and, and the frequency of that as well. What I love about this, though, is that they did not give us a cookie. Uh, cookie, 
cookie cutter answer. They went into the specifics, whether, uh, you know, you understand what that means or not. At least they were giving us a direct explanation as to what the issue is or what the issue I'll say was is because it's still kind of happening, but it's definitely smoothed out a lot since they uh, introduced this patch. The the there there are still other major issues that are happening uh with this game as well. I know that crossplay, I haven't personally had issues with crossplay. I've been being queued up on on randoms, uh both PC and other uh uh platforms. I think PlayStation is more stable though than the Xbox. I have a buddy that's on Xbox that's still not able to crossplay. However, I've been cross-playing with people a uh, majority of this week. It doesn't tell me exactly what platform they're on, uh, but I know for a fact that that PlayStation, they had settled down, and they were holding off for a minute on Xbox, but I believe that got resolved at the same time. So this is something, again, this is a great game. I'm I'm really enjoying it. I'm, I'm enjoying creating different builds and, and playing with the mods and stuff like that. But at this point, we're nearing two weeks since launch. These issues should not be happening. Not only that, but you're also having a another issue where people are loading in without clothes on. And essentially, yeah, no, so weird. And essentially, that is it, it's wiping people's inventory. So I saw somebody uh, had posted they had put 100 plus hours in to the game and lost everything. Uh, that would be heart shattering. I don't know. I would have a hard time going back to a game if that happened, having to start over and do everything over again. I would be super salty. So it's unfortunate that we're having these, these stability issues and things like that. And, and, and this again, kind of, you know, I feel like this is, was for the most part, we got a full game, right? Uh, we got a game that for the most part works, but we're still getting fed these, these games and we're paying the money and not only paying money, we're paying the top dollar amount for these games to have these crazy issues like that, where, you know, again, that's like, that's like buying a car or, or whatever. It is an extreme example and it has engine issues out the gate. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to mm-hmm. pay for it. I'm going to ask for a refund, uh, whatever. So it's like, I, I, I don't like that these companies are allowing these games to come out with these kinds of issues. These issues, dude, can you imagine back in the day, it, had we gotten a, a Super Nintendo game or something like that, and it had issues like that? It would, it would be like, people would be freaking out, man. Um, I, I don't know. This is this is scary. I don't like it one bit. I don't like it one bit. Have you guys, uh, Salvador or Teddy, have you guys had a chance to play this game? I haven't. I've heard some of the issues that have been going on. Um, I didn't know they were that. Getting, they were getting they were really that ridiculous, though, like especially the clothing <laughs> one and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like this is a common theme with the industry right now. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like with the amount of demand that like people want games in general, they have this mindset where like they should be releasing things a lot faster, not realizing that they probably don't have a fully polished game yet. And then they run into a bunch of these issues when it comes out. Um, even after uh, like beta or early access, and then then you get the bad press. And what can you do there for these companies at that point? 
just like it, it always just leaves a bad taste uh for any gamer at that point i'm like I, the industry needs a little bit more of an overhaul when it comes to the way they think about game releases now yeah and i think too what what's I don't think they think about is because so many games get released. If your game's bad, we're just going to move on. Like there's another game mm-hmm. coming out next week. There's there's five other games that came out the same day that you can turn to. And yeah, I don't, it, it seems weird. It seems you'd hope that it would have started to evolve to that. They would be a little more uh, conscious of the product they were putting out, but yeah. How many how many disappointments like a Marvel's Avengers do they need to see before they start to change it? Because I mean, it you you're already I, I'd be interested to see Outriders player count in like a week or two, and uh, yeah, I don't know. You just hope that something will force a change, and you you'd hope that these big name flops in recent years might have started to push that and it's frustrating that it hasn't and this is i mean it has a very good story and and the stories at least like running through everything was probably like 50 50 plus hours uh to to get through basically everything and then you start getting into the end game stuff um but yeah i mean the 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 stuff was there and i love that they're being transparent about this but at this point in time, these issues should should not exist. Uh, I I do you know they they were saying that they worked over uh, Easter weekend and they gave out a digital uh, uh, package of like a legendary and resources to basically say hey we're sorry. So I do love that they're that they're doing doing this stuff. They're addressing it and they are working on these fixes. It's just disappointing that they that they that it had to come to this and they may, I mean, there was more changes than that as well. They did all kinds of little tweaks to uh, some of the builds, how some of the missions uh, run and stuff like that, which I don't know that I'm the biggest fan of how they do their end game and their end game stuff is all basically time-based. Um, the faster you completed, the better the rewards. Uh, but it, you know what I mean? Like, it, I, I don't know, man, like this, this definitely leaves a, sour taste in people's mouth do i think that it's gonna just die out i think it's still there if they can get that stuff settled down because that's really what people were i feel really really hyped about was being able to play with their friends no matter what platform they're playing on so the fact that that's been struggling a bit i feel like you know people have a right to be upset about that because I know there's some people that just got the game to be able to do that and they haven't been been able to really play with anybody because uh, the servers weren't stable and then crossplay isn't working and it's just like ah what are you doing what are you doing um, so we'll see I know that they they've got roadmap stuff you know and and there's something else I wanted to bring up too because they explicitly said that this is not a live service game. Uh, but right now, doesn't it feel like it's almost like a live service game? It's like, wait, you guys said that this is not going to be the case. So I think it's kind of one of those situations where, like, you know, they see that the the building's on fire. That was not their plan or intention to make changes or big changes like this. Um, but they're they're trying to put out the fire. And then I think we'll see a roadmap that's going to be a little more indicative of what they plan on doing as opposed to this feeling more like a live service game, or maybe it just kind of the whole 
with their rollout switches and it does end up being more, which I hope it doesn't. Um, I would rather take like large content drops like once a year or, or, you know what I mean? Something like that, as opposed to this constant tweaking and, and, and rehashing and this and that. So it'll be interesting to see how they, how they move forward with these situations. We're still looking for more stability. Um, only time will tell really how this plays out. I do, again, I've got to commend them on them being very specific about what the issues were, letting people know exactly what the problem is. Again, they haven't gotten their official report, but this is what they think likely is causing the issues. And those were the things that they focused on um, trying to get the stability. So I don't know. We'll see. I'm still playing it, so I can't, you know what I mean? Luckily, I'm a knock on wood that I have not <laughs> encountered the no clothes losing inventory thing. And I pray that I do not because I will flip a table if that happens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Ryan. If that did happen, I hope it's on stream so at least we will get to enjoy it. <laughs> Rage. <laughs> All right. That's enough about that. Uh, let's take a quick commercial break and we're going to come back speak with Salvador and Teddy we'll be right back guys Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for listening to that short message. And now comes the fun part of the episode. And Salvador and Teddy, let me start. Uh, let me just start with Salvador here. Tell tell us a little bit about Stormbrush and how you got started with them. Uh, sure. So probably about eight, anywhere between eight to nine years ago, um, me and my second-in-command, uh, we kind of got this idea to get together one day of like, playing Mario Party with a bunch of friends um, and seeing, like, who's the best one. Um, and with that, like, I I rented out a hotel just for the occasion. That, it wasn't the greatest idea. I didn't realize uh, noise was going to be an issue. So <laughs> then we almost got kicked out. But uh, it was a really interesting experience, uh, like, that, just starting that off. And then me and him got the idea of, hey, why not we try to do this uh, where we play against our friends, but like in an, in an actual tournament format. And so we, we kind of did like a really simple idea of what that was. Um, and over time, after that first year when we did that, we're like, huh, we could probably do this on a more esports level. And that's how Mario Party Wars got created, uh, starting off our own competitive Mario Party tournament series here in Las Vegas. Um, after that, after a few years, we're like, we could probably broaden our horizons and do a lot more with other games that maybe uh, don't have the same kind of esports opportunities yet, or even just providing a unique experience on an esports level. So that's where we created Stormrush Gaming. Uh, it's only about a year old now, um, and now we're trying to reach uh, to bringing out new games we could like enter as a tournament series outside of Mario Party, and then also just expanding our brand. Uh, so creating our own esports team, uh, providing our own merch as has <laughs> been shown mm -hmm. right now. Um, and yeah, and just honestly, the big thing for us is just we want to offer an experience in esports and gaming that doesn't usually happen. Uh, and so we're hoping we can like build our own 
form like of that kind of stuff on both gaming and esports levels. How how has that change been since you've decided to to kind of formalize an esports organization as opposed to running tournaments? Uh, like, how has that shift been for you? It's oh, <laughs> it's been it's been an interesting experience. Um, we. So it was originally just going to be the tournaments, but ever since we had like, like with the with Mario Kart uh, being like a bigger thing now, uh, thanks to the esports arena, um, a lot of our community really got interested in like wanting to compete more, but like as an actual team. So we kind of got an opportunity of like let's expand our horizons and actually have our own branch for creating esports teams. And uh, I didn't realize that the amount of work. Um, because I had never like done that before of what it means to run an esports team, but uh, yeah, it's it's a lot more work than I expected. But honestly, it's it's provided better insight, better opportunities, and just an overall better understanding of what esports is. And I'm actually very thankful for that because trying to expand myself and get involved more in esports has been a, a, just a really great honor in and providing these kind of opportunities for others. And here's, this is what I love about it too, because Mario Party doesn't really have a, an online play. You know what I mean? It's something I've, cause I'm a huge Mario Party fan and it, you know, just being able to get people together. I feel like it's very like taking kind of a, uh, a niche game and building a series and tournaments and getting people together to be able to play. I think is, is absolutely, absolutely amazing. Tell us a little bit, like how exactly do the, the tournaments and how does exactly does it work? Uh, so at least for Mario Party. So uh, we actually just started uh, Bomberman uh, last year uh, when Stormrush kind of officially oh. got created. So we're trying to we're kind of working building blocks around that tournament. Uh, it's a really great series. And that's kind of why we thought of, hey, we should start a tournament for for that franchise as well. But uh Essentially, it's it's a series of round, uh, of matches uh, once a month, and players compete against one another in a series set of matches. Um, depending on where you are in the standings throughout the time, you know, obviously you'll know where your placement's at, but once 10 matches are done, so 10 months, um, the top eight, yes, top eight players uh, will advance into the semifinals in June, and then the top four players from there will advance into the grand finals. Uh, where we actually have cash prizes. Uh, right now for Mario Party, we have a $1,000 uh, cash pool. Uh, wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we we buffed up our... Uh, so fifth through eighth, we'll still get a chance to earn money. Uh, theirs is only about $200 though, but essentially it's like a $1,200 cash pool if you reach top eight. But yeah, and then we our, our thing is to actually try to create something similar to like what Evo or some of these other big tournament series uh, create and offer opportunities to compete on really big levels for games uh, by proving their, their worth and skill on the scene. I love that. Teddy, talk to us a little bit about the uh, Nevada Esports Education League and how did, how did you get started with them? So Nevada Esports Education League, or NEO for short, um, I personally got introduced to it because the founder and current president of the nonprofit side, uh, Hugh Lee is um, a longtime friend of mine. I've known him from uh, my teenage years and, you know, we've just uh, kept in touch for over the years. And uh, last year, um, around 
like in February-ish, he introduced me like, hey, um, since you're going to UNLV now, I need some, be- uh, some people to help me with my uh, club there, my RSO. And I was like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll join. And I mean, eventually I got in, like helped them out, became a part of their e-board. And a couple months later, I'm the president of the UNLV <laughs> um, Neoside. So it's a, it's a little weird. But um, currently there's two like branches, I guess, of uh, Neo, nonprofit and UNLV. Um, but we basically work as one team uh, on, you know, certain projects and stuff like that. And what the... Obviously, in the name of it, Esports Education League, we're trying to bridge the gap between esports and education because not every student is, you know, academic. Uh, like, they're not, you know, the best in math, the best in science or reading and stuff like that. But they're, they have, like, the skills to be a good, like, you know, uh, esports player or somebody that has, like, good production um, talents. And so they are able to uh, create a lot of content um, for esports as well. And we're trying to like make sure that these students get the opportunities for that by hosting tournaments, um, opportunities for them to show off their talent and, you know, a lot of other things with uh, within the esports realm. Yeah, you know, that's such such an important realm to, to like you said, to bridge that gap. What, what have been some of the biggest hurdles that you've seen to kind of get what you guys are doing to take root? Um, honestly, funding. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Because it's hard being like a nonprofit and you don't have like a direct income source because I mean, we've asked for sponsorships, but we never asked for like money sponsorships. Um, okay. In December, we had a Valorant tournament and uh, we like fundraised for that uh, prize pool. But the only sponsorship we had was from accessory or I forgot what it's called. <laughs> I feel sad. Um, but basically <laughs> it was like an ease, uh computer gaming peripherals, like mouse keyboards and stuff like that. And that was like our only sponsorship. And we never had like, you know, uh, money sponsorships. And it's kind of been out of pocket from basically everybody, especially Hugh, um, since he's put a lot of blood, sweat, tears and money into this organization. So, you know, one thing. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Ryan. I just wanted to see. I I know that there's been and I feel like there's there's. Uh, there's been almost like a a boom of content creators and gamers and things like that coming into our community. Um, have you guys or do you guys have any plans on trying to reach out or connecting with any of these folks and maybe uh, doing some sort of uh, collaborating? Well, funny you ask because <laughs> <laughs> we're having a charity stream with partnering with Stormwatch Gaming and um, the LVYP Kiwanis. Uh, and uh, some other streamers as well, um, and which we've out- partnered up with them in the past. Um, but besides that, honestly, we haven't really had like you know major outreach to other content creators because some people like you know let me let me do my own thing. I I don't want to be associated with anybody. So it's um it's kind of fun and nice to know that we actually have reached out with other organizations, um, not just uh, Stormwatch Gaming or LVYP Kiwanis, but also. Uh, Silver State Esports, as well as uh, Shogunate Gaming. Talk to us about the charity stream. Like, like, what what can people expect this weekend? So the charity stream is a three day event uh, going from ten a.m. to twelve a.m. So that's uh, what fourteen hours uh, every day, nonstop content of amazing games and amazing streamers. Um, our game, like our game lineup, is like Mario Part, uh, Mario Kart, uh, Apex Legends, 
Celeste, um, Animal Crossing. You know, there's a wide variety of games and stuff like that. And there's so many like amazing streamers on here from all three organizations. And honestly, I'm just really glad that, you know, all these people are got together in kind of a very short uh, notice to be able to um, raise money for direct relief um, because direct relief is an amazing cause that helps out uh, whatever is currently going on in the world. And obviously right now during COVID-19, um, raising money for the final vaccinations that are needed for us to go back to normalcy, like that's really important um, because not just like for me personally, but for Neil and everyone else, uh, a lot of stuff that we've been wanting to do uh, in quarantine have been limited because we're in quarantine and having in-person events and, you know, reconnecting with the world is one of the most important things that we can do as um, organization. How did this come together? How did the, the three organizations kind of figure out and, and what was the planning process like to, to get this ready to go? So do you remember uh, what well, happened I, originally? <laughs> no, nah, so actually the, yeah, this kind of came from me originally. And then like the other leaders kind of like, got even more involved so it just became like this huge collaboration thing um i wanted to like just being in quarantine and everything and i'm like storm rush gaming being limited and what they were able to do i'm like i wanted to do something where i could actually give back to the community um so i reached out to hugh uh the president of of neil and uh my good friend camille who's the president for las vegas young professionals kiwanis and I kind of wanted to get them on board of like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we could do some kind of charity event? Um, and I kind of thought of like streaming in mind. So that's when we kind of put our heads together and kind of reached out to our friends and like the fellow community here in Vegas uh, to try to come up with an idea of like raising funds for, for a good cause. And that's when like Q and... Uh, and my friend Camille kind of got like the rest of their team on board. Uh, that's how I actually met Teddy, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the first one we did. And we kind of put all this together. Uh, we aimed for a $500 threshold the first time because we're like, this is our first time doing this. So we, I didn't want to go over anything too high. And instead, we raised, I think, close to like $1,500 on our first event. We raised uh, $1,500. Way more than we, what we expected. And that's more like, hey, we, you know, if we could have this one success the first time, this is why we're creating a, another event. Uh, this time, Teddy took the reins uh, for this time around. But yeah, like, it, it was an interesting experience how this all got put together. And now we have kind of like an interesting collaboration going on for this. I'm curious, as far as, you know, as things start opening back up, as more people are getting vaccinated and more people feel comfortable going to uh, in-person events and things like that. Uh, do you guys have any plans as far as, you know, maybe later in the year or early next year or something like that, as far as where you guys want to go uh, with your continued efforts? Yeah, um, I definitely want to host, like, I've only been, like, not a spectator at an in-person tournament, and that was, like, literally on the edge of, like, quarantine. It was, like, March 13th, and quarantine was, like, March 18th, and that was, like... Wait, was it the, was it the, uh, was it the Mario Kart tournament? No, it was, at um... The, oh, okay. It was, um, uh, a Legends of Runeterra Invitational at the Microsoft Store at Fashion Show, which now closed, ah. sadly. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's, like, 
are my first Neil in-person event and also my last. <laughs> but I'm like, what when they say, like, you know, oh, you could go ahead and make an in-person tournament now. I am booking it to whatever site mm-hmm. I can and make, making a tournament because I have been so excited to make one, um, especially becoming uh, the president of Neil at UNLV. It's one of my, like, end goals, I guess, now. Which I feel like shouldn't be an end goal, but it quarantine made me that way. So it's a little <laughs> weird. <laughs> uh, well, for me personally, uh, for this uh, specific side of things, um, I kind of feel like really, really proud that like we kind of got together and like started this. And uh, probably down the line, we probably could do uh, in real life charity events uh, together, uh, whether it be like a tournament or some other kind of like community related ideas. And yeah, for me personally, I just feel like this is a great opportunity for not only my organization and for uh, Teddy and my friend Camille's organization, but also for the, uh, the Vegas community to, you know, get an opportunity to actually be part of something much bigger and something that we can actually contribute to uh, for the better of, of humanity. Do you have a fundraising goal for this charity stream? Yes. Um, so last uh, our first event, we raised $500 and I don't want to be like too ambitious and be like, we're going to book it to a thousand because <laughs> that like, that's a little too much. So like we're meeting halfway between 500 and a thousand at uh 750. Nice. Yeah. You know, this is a little off topic, but Teddy, I wanted to touch on something that you said before. And when, when you were talking about sometimes streamers, not wanting to be associated with a, with, with an organization that they kind of value the, their own brand for lack of a better way to put that mm-hmm. it's i find that unique about this world i mean you think of uh athletes and some other sports like a big part of their brand is if you know is what team they're on right lebron is the best basketball player in the world but he's also a laker and that has some like cachet to it is there a meeting space in the middle where you you know these organizations and streamers and and talent can like come and meet and and have both those brands lift each other up rather than trying to focus just purely on, on like the self, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, definitely. Like, I think that when people think like, Oh, you're going to be a part of a brand or like a team. It's like, you have to be like, Oh, I like, I'm going to constantly like promote this team and stuff like that. But honestly, it's more like, Oh yeah, you're just part of it. And you know, whenever we need you just, you know, come on by. Right. And Mm -hmm. so I feel like that's, what a lot of people don't realize is that it's very, it's not so um too like pushing. There's obviously some organizations that I know that really push their um, streamers and content creators to promote their brand. But um, for example, like offline TV, uh, a lot of their streamers are just like the streamers are one thing, but then their offline TV content is like completely different. And it's only um, when they get together like that, uh, do they like promote the brand like that. Perfect. Salvador, I mean, r- helping to run an esports organization, how, how do you grapple with finding the right talent and finding like a right mix of people that that fit your mission and what you're trying to do? Uh, so uh, starting off, we're, we're kind of still working on like what our what our full foundation is of like what we're mm-hmm. trying to do and how we're going to progress uh, onward as, as we begin to grow. Um, Finding the right kind of people is really important, especially for uh, any of our leadership positions, because they're they're pretty pretty much like the grassroots for 
that area. Like without them, there's no way we'd be able to expand uh, like either for our tournament series or uh, we just started getting into more of uh, content related stuff. Um, and we actually found one of our personal friends who's also a streamer, uh, we're having him lead the charge. And so for me personally, it's about finding the right people that can help lead uh, what we're trying to do. And then they can find the right candidates that help them expand on that. So for me, it's more like, I, I see myself as the over, uh, the guy that just oversights mostly and making mm -hmm. sure that what they're doing falls in line with the mission of what we're trying to do. Uh, but as a whole, yeah, it's like, it's really just about finding the right people in leadership spots. And I want usually people that are both motivated and drive to what they want to do. Uh, like not just for us, but for their own personal selves. Like if they're going to want to run tournaments for us, they want to, I want to make sure that they are also passionate about being involved in esports, being passionate about running tournaments in general, because it's, it's not just always about us. It's also about helping them improve themselves and maybe even finding them opportunities in the future, uh, should they choose a different path. Uh, but that's, that's kind of the way I see it. Like to me, it's not always about having them represent us, represent the brand. It's also about making sure they can represent themselves, uh, to the rest of the world, uh, along with it. And, and we all know, too, that video games just in general is becoming a lot more popular um, content creation, streaming and things of those nature. I feel that Vegas, you know, Las Vegas, again, is I think they've positioned and they are positioning themselves to be almost like that gaming hub. Uh, we're seeing now casinos starting to buy in. We're, we've got a lot more esports. Like you said, we've got a lot more uh, uh, content creators and stuff like that flocking out here to Las Vegas. Let me ask you guys here in the next two to three years, what would you guys like to see happen in that space out here in Las Vegas? Uh, well, okay. So for me personally, uh, I would definitely like to see the city and like the esports community surrounding Vegas um, try to do better to build up on what where we're currently at. Cause uh, having run Mario party wars uh, and just being in esports in general for almost a decade. Uh, one of the issues I still see time to time is that there isn't a lot of like unification or like collaborating between different esports scenes, whether it's fighting games versus uh, like online MOBAs uh, and so on and so forth. And for me, that's probably one of the biggest issues because you need that community center if you really want to get a scene to grow. So I would definitely like to see more of that over the next few years. And then just having the city kind of support uh, this like esports in general, because obviously you need the city support in order to make things happen. Uh, so I'm kind of happy with like, that they're providing uh, an esports opportunity through the bill that's being passed right now, uh, mm -hmm. where they can actually regulate uh, more esports opportunities and provide bigger exposure for us. Um, and then for me personally, right now, I'm also working with uh, Stronger Future Las Vegas, which is they're they're part of the the Las Vegas uh, area of like trying to promote more opportunities for those with like that don't get the kind of opportunities that normally people get, like education um technical experiences um and so they've actually re reached out to us uh and we've been working on a few events with them uh for promoting esports uh stem 
opportunities. Um, and they, they just opened up their own facility in downtown Fremont. But we're really excited to be working with them because that's kind of what we want to see from the city. It's providing those kind of opportunities for others on that can help build the scene. Um, for me personally, I honestly think that there should be more like opportunities um, just in general, but also specifically for lower income communities because um, in the other organizations and like tournaments I've seen, a lot of the like high school related um, tournaments, like they're all students from uh, here in Vegas, like the Southwest and the West side. And those are like usually higher income um, schools and like communities and stuff like that. But for me being um, from a lower income side of Vegas, it's harder to see like people from like these other, uh, these lower income schools that don't get a lot of recognition because of um, like, you know, their status and stuff like that, besides the fact that they're, you know, uh, like a school that you probably shouldn't go to from what a lot of people say. And having these opportunities for these students and um, for these people that just don't get a lot of opportunities in general, it's really important that um, they are shown this uh, because I think that a lot of people like diversifying out um, in general is just one of the things that we need to do uh, not just in esports, but in general as a community. You know, it makes me think of, of right to a, a sport like golf, where access is a problem and and where uh, that can be prohibitive. What are are you thinking or trying to work with anybody about ways to con- try and increase access, whether that's through community centers in different areas, or whether to, there's like grants or anything? Like, is that something that that you've looked into? Currently, right now, like community centers, no, because COVID. But right. like all of um the Neo tournaments, like uh the most recent like big tournament, the Valorant tournament, it was free for all students. You just have to be one a Nevada student, mm-hmm. and and that's it. Like it was free, and if you won, your team won five hundred dollars. And like having, you know, no entry fees, no other limitations or anything like that. It's one of the th- the reasons why like I'd be I love to be part of Neo is because it's for everybody. You just have to you know, accept the challenge. And Salvador, I wanted to touch on something you said. You said you were hoping to see some more collaboration uh, in the Las Vegas scene. What do you think has stopped more collaboration from happening? Uh, oh, that's an interesting question. Um, personally, I don't know fully why it doesn't seem like uh, different genres don't tend to collaborate often or like even just scenes within the same genre of, of the games. Uh collaborate with one another um it could be the mindset that like they don't they're not familiar with the other game and maybe they're not going to feel as welcomed about it um so i feel like part of the issue going on is that there is a barrier of like misinterpretation about the way others other scenes feel about one another um i just feel like that just that just has to be overcome through collaborating with one another that's part of like what i want to do with my organization it's like I want to break those barriers down um, I'm along with what we already do and show, showcasing that it, it doesn't always have to just be about this game or that game or this scene and that scene. Um, that it Literally, esports, you can compete and game in any kind of scene that you want uh, as, as long as you can obviously prove yourself. Um, so to me, it's, it's just about breaking down those barriers that maybe there is a stigma about it or maybe there's just a lack of transparency that they don't try to reach out to one another. So 
for me, it's, it's just about that. It's, it's breaking down the, that barriers of collaboration and working together. You also- yeah, it'll be interesting. Sorry, go ahead. Lucas. No, go, go for it, Ryan. You're good. <laughs> No, I was going to say, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that, because I, I, I very much feel that too, where it's almost like there's these different segments or, or bubbles or pockets that are out there, but everybody's kind of trying to figure out, you know, how do we, how do we, you know, increase this? How do we, um, I guess, work a little more cohesively and start crossing some of those barriers and challenges that we have because, we know there's a ton out here in Las Vegas in the gaming space. Now it's taking it to the next level, working with uh, these major. I mean, I mean, think about it. We've got the Raiders out here. They have a Twitch lounge. None of us, obviously, with the situation that we're in, none of us have been able to utilize any of that stuff. But I feel like there's a lot of opportunities, both small and big, for us to work together as a community, not only a gaming community, but the community of Las Vegas to really grow something and, 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 and really start defining what this space is going to look like, uh, not only here, but for the rest of the world. I definitely agree with you on that, Ryan. Um, that's why like through some of the, the things we're doing, like these charity streams, um, we're hoping we could eventually expand this to other parts of the Vegas community, not just like with our own close friends. Uh, that's like the majority but it just it, it takes time to build up on that. And uh, the same goes for some of the other projects like our involvement, uh, Stronger Future. Uh, the main focus right now is with the students on that um, and the low-income areas that's surrounding it. But we're hoping we can eventually invite other parts of the city and showcasing a lot more about what esports is meant to be. And not just, not just that it's always about competing or that it has to be about competing in a specific game. I know that we're extremely excited to to watch a lot of the fun this weekend outside of this charity stream if people want to get involved and support what's the best way they can do that for you guys donate <laughs> yeah donate That's... check out check out the streamers to, uh, they're they're all awesome content creators um and then probably if you want just feel free to email us or reach out to us about how you can get involved um we're always down with working with others uh if it means for bettering the community um like obviously this is an opportunity for not only all three organizations but everybody individually to grow as um streamers and creators in general and um for everybody to just put themselves out there in the world and you know to raise money while we're doing it and that's honestly the best part absolutely i'm looking forward to it i'm gonna be tuning in and checking it out again it's always exciting for me to be able to connect with the these local, you know, everybody, people that are local and stuff like that. There's so many of us out here. Uh, again, guys, check it out. The Vegas Relief Charity Stream happening this weekend, April 16th through the 18th, 10 a.m. to 12 a.m. Teddy Salvador, thank you guys so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Uh, Lucas, what do you got going on this weekend, my friend? I have no idea. More of Pac-Man 99, I guess. <laughs> uh, unlike Super Mario 35, if I ever, ever win a single game of Pac-Man 99, that's going to be a miracle. But oh. hopefully <laughs> I, top I 10. Won, like, I just won mine like a few hours ago. I'm like, oh, I can't believe <laughs> I finally got my first win. I'm jealous. I am so jealous that that game gets stressful once you start getting down to last like 25, 20. And so and like, yeah. it's, 
it's insane it's insane but that's probably it for for me what about yourself rain you already know i'm beyond that uh outriders grind i've been playing i i, I pick back up uh i need to keep up with destiny 2 but uh no big plans really i've i've had uh outside work that i've been focusing on and having to do stuff as, as far as with that so i haven't had a chance to really get a lot of playing but Anytime I sit down, Outriders keeps popping up. So I'm just like, mm, I guess I'll play it. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, though, thank you guys again, Teddy Salvador, for joining us. Make sure you guys check out the charity stream this weekend, uh, the 16th through the 18th. We appreciate you guys joining us again here for Land Parties. We hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your week. And you know what it is. We love your faces.